Okay, so Romans, if you can open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verse 13. It reads, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even among other Gentiles, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Now, my my intentions was to preach from 13 all the way through 17, but I didn't make it. That right there, that ended at 15, um, that was a handful. And I just pray that you would um, open your ears and take out your pens and your paper, your notepads, take some notes, and just um, relax and be patient as I teach this word. And I pray that we, we will all get something from it. But the text reads, again, now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you. And I want us to notice, I want you to underline the word I. We got the, the word I that comes after now. I would not have you ignorant. Brethren, and oftentimes I again underline that purpose to come unto you. And then a third time, we see that I says that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I want to first establish the speaker in this text. Now, at first glance, maybe even second or third glance, it may seem as if Paul is speaking. He's the author of this book. He's the one who's writing this letter to those who are at Rome, right? But, and that's what I thought for a very long time now. Um, But after reading the text over and over again and already having my mind fixed on who I believed to be the author of this writing based on the physical nature of the person Paul that once existed, and then my eyes were open to the real speaker of this text, which is the Holy Spirit. We get a good look here at the work and the transparency of the Holy Spirit in his writing. Paul gets the credit for it. He gets the credit for this transparency But it's the Holy Spirit that's working behind the scenes and manifesting this transparency that we see. When we see the word I these three times in the the text, you don't believe me? Good. Let's go to John 15 and 5. It reads... 
I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now let's go back to the beginning when he says, I will not have you ignorant, brethren. Now the word brethren disguises the Holy Spirit. But we know that it's the Father who desires his children not to be ignorant. When you see that word brethren, it seems as if Paul is speaking, which he is, speaking to his brethren, his equals, right? So it's easy to miss the Holy Spirit in that. But I'm here to show you that it's the Holy Spirit, like I said, that's speaking, and he's the one that desires us not to be ignorant. Just a little side dish in here is we get to see a wonderful, awesome parenting trait of the father and that is his desire that his children not be ignorant I had a conversation with my one of my sons on this past week and I had to encourage him with some insight I have this idea which is certainly not a new idea but I have this idea, if he can see into the future, if my kids can see into the future, if our children can see into the future, not only will he or they be able to bypass many of the mistakes that we've made and a plethora of our ancestors have made before us, but also that he might be encouraged to press through these difficult times. Knowing that one, they won't last for long. And two, there is, very, there is very much value to gain in the difficulties that we face in life. My other son, he has some similar, similar difficulties in completing his assignments and doing his work in school like that. Um, I had the same thing going on when I was a kid. Um, and I believe that um, a big part of that was just my lack of understanding, my ignorance to why it was I had to do the things that I did, why it was I was being put through what I was being put through. Um, I couldn't see into the future, so I wanted to give up. Right, But God, he doesn't want us to be ignorant and he doesn't want us to be ignorant for that reason. He doesn't want you to give up. He's not going to put you in a position to, to give up and quit. Why? Because he knows that there's something great at the end of the line for you to possess if you just continue to press and push through the difficulties that you face. And I don't know about you, but when I was coming up, you know, I heard a lot. Um, when you question, are you uh, an adult, or you ask a certain questions of an adult, is don't worry about it. 
Mind your business. Or it's not for you to know this at this time or, or, or so forth. You know, those type of responses and, and answers. And a lot of that, you probably weren't supposed to know at that time. But a lot of it, probably if we would take the time to explain to our children and give them some insight into the future, um, it would better them. It would give them more confidence. It would motivate them a lot more to push through. And not just our children, but God here, he is telling us that he doesn't want us to be ignorant because we need to be motivated. We need to be assured that our efforts are not going by the wayside. What I'm trying to say, folks, is that we have to stop handicapping our children with planks of ignorance. We have to stop handicapping each other with planks of ignorance. Such as he or she can't handle the truth or is not ready to hear the truth. Yes, he or she is ready to hear the truth. And not only our children, but like I said before, God's current and potential children are ready for the truth. That means the whole world is ready. Since we've established that the Holy Spirit is the I speaking, we ought to, one, begin to seek wisdom as it's told to us in James 5, 1 and 5, excuse me. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And two, begin to exercise this trait ourselves. This is a shareable trait. Remember, not too long ago, uh, we learned that there are some traits that God has that he, can, he only possesses. And then there's some traits that he shares with us, that he wants us to have the same as he does. Why? Because we are to imitate him. We represent him as his children. And these are one of those traits that he's given to us to share. And he expects us to put those to practice. As parents, as children, friends, brothers, sisters, etc., it's our duty to educate and to inform those who are ignorant. We go on in Romans. It says that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto. Let's look at this word let. Let's do a word. I, I did a word search. I, I, I'm telling you, you guys got to get this word searching into your life. It'll bless you mightily. It's one thing to just read the word. It's another thing for you to meditate on the word. And there's even words like this let. Hitherto. These are words that I, I've probably read over a hundred times and not even thought twice about it. 
Well, this word let, when I looked it up, means to hinder. Originally, I read it, I, I, I thought it meant led, not let. But it, it says let to hinder, prevent, forbid, to withhold a thing from anyone, to deny or refuse one a thing. Other um, versions of the Bible, they will say prevent. I long to come and, and, and meet up with you, but up until this time, I was prevented from doing so. Strong's definition here for let means that that is prevent by word or act. To forbid again, hinder, keep from, let. That word hitherto means until, unto, etc. Terminus, through the idea of a terminus. Terminus meaning a final point in space or time, an end or extremity. Paul has mentioned now several times in this introduction, his desire to come to Rome in person, to fellowship with the people there, to have some fruit among them, which I'll touch on shortly. And in his mentioning this, the, the constant denial of his petition to do so. He's mentioned it several times, even in the opening of this book, Rome, how often or how he desired to come to Rome and, and fellowship with them and, and have some fruit among them and it just, it wasn't happening. So he mentioned this constant denial of his petition to do so and we ought to again see the presence of and the working of and the control of the Holy Spirit in this. Paul opens up, if we go back to verse 1, establish himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. That means he is not his own person. He is not his own. He can make all the plans that he wants to make. And I'm sure he, made, he had many desires. He made many plans that he thought was probably on point, right? As do you and I. We make all kind of plans. But what do we do? We make plans first and then we put God on top. We put the cherry on top. We put the whipped cream on top, right? After we done already baked the pie and, and, and made certain core mistakes within our planning, then we want to try to dress it up and make it look good. And we want God to snap his finger and, and, and make it perfect. Okay? So we do that. And I'm sure Paul did that. He wasn't perfect. He was a man. He'd tell you all the time, you know, how human he was. But he made these plans and he did all this petitioning. And he says, but I was let 
hitherto. Why? Why was Paul prevented by word or act from going to Rome? He didn't go into detail as to what or how he was prevented. God could have spoken to him by word or caused some kind of act to happen or to take place that caused him not to be able to go where he wanted to, to go. But why was he forbidden, hindered, kept from? Here's a good one. If we go back to the definition. Why was he um, not suffered to go? The old saying is there's two sides to every coin. How often when we want something and are denied a thing, do we look at the other side of that coin and praise the Lord for it? How often do we look at the other side of the coin and worship when God says no? We get so used to flipping the coin and getting heads and it's all good. But what happened when tails hit? Is it still all good? Do we recognize the good in that? Because God is in control, ultimately, of both sides of the coin. How often do we praise and worship when God tells us no? Maybe even shout for joy. Knowing that our ruler knows best and again is in complete control. He goes on to say that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Fruit is defined as that which originates or comes from something, an effect, a result, work, act, deed, advantage, profit, utility. Here we go, praises, which are presented to God as a thank offering to gather fruit, reap harvest, into eternal life. Guess what? God knows best and the fruit ultimately what? Belongs to him. So when Paul says he longs to gather with the people so that he can have some fruit, we see again what? It's not Paul that's really speaking. It's the Holy Spirit that's speaking because the fruit don't belong to Paul. The fruit belongs to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Paul's master, taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, and it reads, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us or hears us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we are, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him.
We know that we have his ear. We know that he's listening to us. If we ask what's in his desire, what's in his will, what's in his plan, that's a privilege. That's an honor to know, to be assured that God is listening to you. Know that we have his audience. But guess what? On the flip side of that coin, if you're not praying within his desire, you shouldn't really even expect to have his audience, to have his ear, to get what it is that you desire. And when you get what you get, you get what you, what you deserve. You get what you planted. You get what you sowed. So we see here again the proof of the Holy Spirit driving in these statements that we read. It's not Paul in of himself that desires, again, the fruit to be um, this fruit. But initially, it's the Holy Spirit. And look at this. If God needed Paul to be in Rome in order to reap his harvest, he would have made it the first time. He wouldn't even have to ask God. Can I go see my folks in Rome? He definitely wouldn't have to continue to pray on it over and over again. Genesis 18, 13 through 14 reads, And the Lord said unto Abraham, We know the story, Wherefore did Sarah Laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Was asked. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Jeremiah 32 17 reads, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Okay? So it's nothing too hard for the Lord. If God wanted Paul to go to Rome at those times when he was petitioning and asking, he could have dried up the sea like he did before and gave him safe and straight passage to Rome. He could have did whatever he wanted to do to make sure that Paul was there if that was what was needed. The same goes for us as believers in the Lord and servants of Jesus Christ. We have to, we have to be all in on the fact that there is nothing too hard for God. In our position, our location, our health, our money, our level of education, our title, our time, nothing can prevent God from reaping a marvelous harvest. He's going to do it with or without you or me. It's our job, it should be our desire just to be in his will. 14 reads, I am debtor both to the Greeks 
and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. And I won't go into detail on chapter 14 because that's a whole lesson in itself. I'll be up here all day. But I will say that Paul does hear, Paul here, he, he lets us know that his commitment is to Christ. And his commitment to Christ means that he's committed to the whole world. And he says, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. He just covered everything right there. And first and foremost, he's indebted to Jesus Christ. So if he's in the will of Christ and Christ's desires are his desires, Everything he does is unto Christ. Guess what? That means that everything he does is to the world. Because Christ, Christ died for the world, for the sins of the world. That we all might come into a knowledge of him. That we all might be saved. He's doing the work of the Lord. No biases, no favorites. And he knows his lane. He goes on to say, and this is where we'll end for the day. So as much as as in me, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Look, there's that I again. There's the Holy Spirit again. You see him? You see him? Let me encourage you this morning, whoever you are, wherever you are, no matter your position or disposition, when as much as is in you is the Holy Spirit, you have all you need. I'll say that again. When as much as in you is the Holy Spirit, you got all you need. You ready? You have all you need to effectively preach the gospel. And I'm not just talking to those who have a title in ministry. I'm talking to each and every one of you that are under the sound of my voice right now, that are listening and can hear me talk. Remember back in verse 6, Paul says, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? Right? He didn't say the preachers and the, the prophets and the choir singers and, and, and so forth. He, he said, to whom are ye also? All of you. He was talking to everybody. The citizens of Rome and ultimately the citizens of this world. Those who choose to give their life to Christ and live for Christ, ye are the called. Called to do what? Called to just be saved? No. No. Called to preach the gospel. That's what we called to do. 
in many different capacities, but it all comes down to being called to preach and spread the gospel to as many people as we can. This hit me this morning. I began to think about, as do I all the time, the difficulties that I face accepting the fact that I'm ready. You know, I, I go all week long, especially these last couple of weeks. Well, I won't say especially these last couple of weeks because it's just been an ongoing thing, but I can recall much easier these last couple of weeks, you know, because they, they've been pretty tough at work. And I've been dealing with, um, just dealing with people, this one person in, in, in particular. And this person just knows how to get under your skin, knows how to get you out of character. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I pray. You know, the Lord's Prayer. You know, and I go to work and you know, I got a smile on my face. I'm, I'm excited. You know what I mean? I'm feeling good. Right? And I already got this kind of persona about me. And people know who I am in the Lord. You know, so when I go, I'm trying to represent God. I'm trying to represent Christ when I'm out and about just living my life in general. I'm trying to represent, you know, and guess what? The enemy is crafty. He's very crafty and he knows. And this particular person again, you know, was just in my face all week long. And inside of me, I'm like, I just want to come to work. I want to do my job, go home. It's not, it's not difficult, you know what I mean? All I got to do is go out here, hop in my truck, go out here, pick up some garbage, come on back home, be with my family, be back in my element. You know, but no, I got to see this person every day. This person wants to nitpick about this, wants to talk about this, wants to talk about this, and blah, 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 and so forth. And it just got to the point one day where I had to walk off on this person. Then I came back, and then when we had the conversation shortly after that, you know, my, my, my temperature started to rise a little bit. You know what I mean? I, I started to get a little bit loud with this person. You know, and, you know, when it was all said and done, and I was, you know, on the road, you know, I'm by myself in my office, my truck, and, you know, I'm just, I'm beating myself up. I'm like, dang, you know, I just, I, I failed. You know? How can I go up here and preach on Sunday? <laughs> now I got to go preach on Sunday. You know, and I don't feel like I really, you know, behave like a Christian right there. I fail. Right? It happens. So I'm facing this difficulty this week. And I think about Paul. And I think about how Paul, what he must have had to go through to get ready. To, and he can't wait to taunt us, you and I, with those things that we go through. 
Remember the story of Job. You, you, you know the story, and if you don't know the story, if you haven't read about Job, open up your Bible and go to the book. It's called Job, and read it. It'll bless you. But remember, Satan was traveling to and fro throughout the land looking for trouble, pretty much. Looking to see who he can deceive. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Now see right there, don't miss that. Have you considered my servant Job? God said that. Satan didn't come up to him talking about Job. God said, have you considered my servant Job? But Satan told God that Job had been given everything and that's the only reason as to why he was faithful to God. But if you take these things away, he'll curse you to your face. And God did allow for those things to be taken from Job because he knew that he was all Job needed. Job had the houses, he had the cattle, he had the family, he had the oils, he had it all. But guess what? None of that is what had Job ready to be able to contend against what he did when Satan was allowed to take everything from him. None of those things were what Job needed in order to be ready to stand firm on the word of God. Somebody say Jesus is all I need. Jesus is all I need. Say it with me. I can't hear you, but say it. Somebody say Jesus is all that I need. At the end of the day, as much as was in Job, he was ready and resolved to trust in God. And we have to believe and do the same thing. Whether as much as in us is fumes, maybe we had everything took it from us. Maybe we just lost a relative. Maybe we just lost our job. Maybe we've been out there looking, 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 looking. And nothing has gone right. Maybe you're on your last sense of what? Maybe you just at your last with, with, with some person like I was. And that person is just, you know, on your last nerve. And you ready, like Pastor Rick says, you, you about to go tick, tick, boom. You know, maybe you're on them kind of fumes. Or maybe um, you're dealing with much. Maybe you have an abundance right now. Whatever it is, how much you have, how much you don't have, the amount is sufficient. You remember? Donnie McClurkin said, we fall down, but we get up. The only reason we're able to get up is because God 
lifts us up or raises us up. He's the reason. He's the amount that we have in us and that we need in order to be ready. So that's my encouragement for you this morning, saints, is be encouraged that whatever the amount that you have in you, as much as is in you is, you are ready to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.